Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Paper Kings, Part 4. I'm looking for a king who will make me happy in marriage. Recorded Sunday, June 26, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Have you noticed the prices of the pump? Anybody? Do you sense I might be stalling? Because I am. Because it's hard truth today. And um, some of you here, it might be really hard. And I'm warning you. But I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, don't leave. Because it's kind of like when, you know, when there's hard things in your health. There's medicine at the front end. There's treatment. But there's also healing at, at the end. And so if you're new here, by the way, because you came to our event last night, you thought, I'll give that church a try. I want you to know that this isn't the, the, how every Sunday is with messaging. We don't just throw hard, hard things at you. And then, you know, uh, and you might feel like walking out. I understand. I kind of feel that way myself with this one. I mean, maybe just dismiss early, go to IHOP. I haven't, the International House of Pancakes. It's got to be good. I don't know. I've got to try it. So, so here's the thing. So when we preach from the scriptures, we don't like go, that's a fun one, that's a good one, that's an easy one, oh, let's just jump right over that one. That's not how we do it here. And so we got to take on these hard topics, even if it's divorce. And it can really put a preacher between a, a rock and a hard place. So that being said, I want to invite Josh Sykes up now to take the rest of the message. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to do that this week. I wanted to, I wanted to assign this week, like, you know. Because there is no more prevalent paper king in our culture than the idolatry of another person's love. And God is clear, no other gods before me. He doesn't modulate on that. He will not. It's unalterable. And I want to read to you from the very beginning of his word. When it all began, his dream for human relationship in regard to marriage. Genesis 2. Then the, This is verse 22. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib he'd taken out of a man, out of the man. The man is Adam. And he brought her to the man, Adam, the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, the Hebrew is Isha, Isha, woman, for she was taken out of Ish, <laughs> kind of a grunt, a grunt, a grunt for the man, Ish. For her, it's Isha. So he, you know, she, he leaves father and mother, so does she. They become one flesh. And it says when it was perfect and ideal for about like two weeks or something, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That is how God planned for it. But ever since, and this is no revelation to any of you, we've struggled, humanity speaking. With that in mind, I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 10, verse 2 in our series. They're trying to trick him. 
the Pharisees came and asked him, they spring this trap, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What do you say about that? Because they want to stir up trouble. And by the way, this topic got John the Baptist, his cousin, decapitated. So they thought maybe this could happen to him too and he can go away. A lot of volatility in the issue. But again, I want to ask you to hang with me, okay, because there is healing in this message. These priests, they're setting him up. They want to split the crowd. And I will say that even saying the word divorce in this crowd can split the crowd because something like 50% of the people who attend an American church have either been divorced or are considering it. And so we understand that. We know it's, a, it's an issue. So they tried to trap him, and he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. Kind of sounds like a guy leaving the bag on the step with a note that says, no longer needed. That's pretty much what their attitude was, friends, the guys. In the first century, in the Jewish dynamic, divorce was primarily the man's prerogative. Not today, you know that. So don't play that card today, ladies, but then, yes. For Jesus, the argument went back to a book in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. Moses wrote this 1,480 years earlier. And I just read a little bit, just one verse. Deuteronomy chapter 24, 1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he writes a certificate of divorce and gives it to her and sends her from the house. Displeasing. Well, that's kind of open for interpretation, isn't it? So there's a popular rabbi in Jesus' day named Hillel. And Hillel said, well, indecent can be anything, basically. She's, she's not a good house cleaner. I'm tired of it. She makes bad foods. The fire alarm is her food timer. Done with it. She's no, she's no longer pleasing to the eye like that other woman over there is. Done with her. She makes me unhappy. Done with her. The easy school of divorce. In other words, the American version. Then there's this other Rami whose name was Shammai. Shammai was very literal, and he just said the only reason for divorce can be sexual indecency, which means straying from the marriage sexually. Okay. Now, that is a controversy that's not gone anywhere. Like, if your opinion is Hillel, which is, I'm not happy anymore, I'm going to go somewhere else. Or if it's Shammai, which is, no way, no how, unless there's adultery. Okay, so, by the way, who do you think was the most popular rabbi in the first century, Hillel or Shammai? I mean, Hillel got, he got like the talk shows and the late night shows and the, he got to be on the blogs and all that. And then, then the other guy, Shammai, he's like the Pharisee's theological journal. That's what he got. And that's like 100 people, right? It's a throne. And generally speaking, it comes down to this. Culture kingdom. 
It was true in Moses' day. It was true in the New Testament. And it's true today. And either Jesus is on the throne or you are. That's it. Now, you can see why I was hesitant to teach on this today. To be completely honest, a lot of anxiety. And here's why. Because I know so many of you who have been wounded deeply by, by divorce, whether it's your own or that of a, a parents or children that, you're, that you love dearly, and that we love. Hey, I know. Again, stay till the end, because I think we find redemption, but we need to understand what Jesus is teaching us. He didn't fall into their trap. He didn't go with Hillel and say, don't worry, just be you, just be happy today, because you know, tomorrow's tough. He didn't just say, just do what you want. He didn't do that. On the other hand, he didn't go all legalistic either. He didn't just jump into Shammai and say, you know, just, for, just forget it. You're going to hell. That's it. Here's what he did. Verse 6. But at the beginning, he went back to God's original intention on love and marriage. In the beginning, God, he made them male and female for this reason. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Remember the dream? That's what he's saying. How many of you took some kind of biology class in school or college? A couple of you. Kind of an illiterate crowd, I see. <laughs> you just didn't want science. I get it. No, biology is pretty fun, actually. Well, here's the thing. Biology, study of life. That word bio... That's in the Hebrew here to describe what's happening. A marriage biosphere where, where two bios be make, make one bio, right? Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And we've missed that somehow. Living in the most divorce-friendly culture in the history of mankind. An enormous breakdown of the home. And if you don't see the results there, just walk into a school any day of the week and see what's happening there with our children. Or come to one of our student ministries and listen to the stories. Because God's sons and God's daughters, we have forgotten to know how to act. So we got to listen to Jesus. I mean, again, it's a throne. It's him on the throne or it's you on the throne, and you have to decide, and I can't decide for you. No one else can. And here's what Jesus says. This is what he says. Hard-hearted people, that's why divorce exists. That's what he told the, the Pharisees. He said, because of the hardness of your heart, God wrote this precept, hard-heartedness. Oh, that's all you got, Scott? What, I got a hard heart? Thanks for, thank you very much. That's it? Well, what about, what about I no longer love him? What about I never did love her? What about, mm, eh, we're not intimate anymore. I can't, I can't live the rest of my life that way. What about he always, she never what about his porn? What about her flirting at the office? It's complicated. 
It's confusing. And it was for the disciples too, so just know that. As a matter of fact, let's see what happens. So he, dis- he, he responds to these, these Pharisees who want to trap him, and then they, they get away. In the house, his disciples later asked him about the same t- topic, the matter. He said to them, well, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Okay, that settles it. I hop anyone? Should we just roll out right now? Let's just fill that place up. Let's go. Some of you are like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get out of here. God has a heart. And he has a heart in this matter for you. Let's see what his heart is. First of all, marriage is God's creation. So he gets to write the blueprint. Oh, I want to write the blueprint on marriage. He says, no, that's my prerogative. Now, Jesus didn't, t- didn't take a side, remember? He, didn't, he just said, I want to show you the blueprint again, because apparently you've forgotten. God has a dream for you in marriage. It's a beautiful dream. This guy, this girl, bio, biosphere, lifetime. That's the dream. Here's another thing. Divorce is man's solution to, s- to sin in marriage. Divorce is your solution to sin in marriage. But God is forced to deal with it. Pharisees didn't care what Jesus' position was. They just wanted to trap it. And by the way, I want you to realize in this scenario, he didn't respond to every other scenario that exists in marriages. Like there wasn't somebody that came, ran up to him with a woman with two black eyes and a split lip that said, look what my husband did to me last night. Do I need to stay at that animal? That didn't happen there. I mean, it's, there's no record here of, of some guy walking up and saying, she criticizes me day after day, minute after minute. As soon as I walk in the door, all I hear is criticism. I'm never good enough. Do I got to stay with her? Didn't happen here. He, they just asked him this question. Is it lawful to get a divorce? And then he responded later with his disciples, well, in one case it is adultery. He doesn't say you have to do it. So when Jackie or Scott, we start to think, man, I, I don't like being married. Think that might ever happen to us? Where we might think that way? I know I'm a preacher, you know, but I know what happens to her. We can't fall back on our own. We got to go back to God's thing. And, and here's what God said to us, and this is day after day how we try to live it out. He said, don't give up. Don't quit on each other. And it's amazing. When you take that perspective... Ephesians 5 then starts really happening in your marriage where it says, submit to one another. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. That's bioflow, man. That's one life. And it's sometimes life is like this. And there's something about him that says, no, just keep your hands up to me. We can do this. But what a journey. 
You know, I wasn't warned. Well, I can't say I wasn't warned. I really was warned before I got married by really good people who said, this is not going to be as easy as you think it's going to be. Like we had this beautiful couple, Dick and Marie Brown. Uh, their daughter, Michelle, is part of our congregation. And, and they, they poured into Jackie and I and about, a, about hundreds of other couples. They were like before mentoring, marriage mentoring was a thing, Dick and Marie Brown were marriage mentors to us. And they said, yeah, this is not going to be a walk in the park, kids. I know it seems very romantic to you, but, but it'll also be worth it if you do it God's way. Because he created marriage. He knows how it works. God's blueprint, and the blueprint is a, is a man and a woman for a lifetime, God's blueprint didn't go anywhere. Now, here's another thing. Every one of us has a list of sins that have been scribbled over this blueprint. Every one of us, whether you're married or not. None of us will get to heaven, though, because of our perfection in marriage. I'm telling you right now, if you could, you wouldn't need Jesus. And by the way, you know you can't if you're married. But you need Jesus desperately. And I will tell you, there's at least one full page of the Bible I'm not very good at. Maybe chapters. And that's probably true about you, too. I will admit that. And sometimes we need to admit that. Jesus was big on reminding us not to point fingers and judge each other. He, it's not about them and us in this topic, like in our, in our room today. It's not about, oh, the divorced and the never divorced. That's not the issue here. And it will never be the issue here, God help us. Because there is grace for all. Like Romans 3, though, talks about the issue. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There, there is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed innocent blood. The ruin and misery mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know who he's describing there? You and me. Hence, we need Jesus. We need grace. We need mercy. All of us, Romans 10, 20. There, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That is what he told the Pharisees. Moses' law shows you your sin. Period. The cross of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will restore any of us. Reading on in Romans chapter 10, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who never got a divorce. Is that what it says? To all who never had an argument with their spouse. To all who, you know, you, you, you fill it in. 
Sinners need a cross more than anything to find grace. We need a cross more than counseling. We need a cross more than another book to read. We need a cross more than another sermon from a preacher who knows something about it but not much. Married, divorced, remarried, single, I need a cross. I need Jesus. And here's what Jesus did. He piled the unrighteousness of every person in this room on his back and he walked up a bloody hill and he said, put them nails in my hands because I'm taking their sin with me. The groom for his bride. Crucify it. Kill it. Redeem them. Buy them back. Boys, that's where I'm headed. Coming with me? We've already seen that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. This is from God who reconciled to himself through Christ all of us. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's this, this, this. N.T. Wright says, the church's vocation is to be in prayer at the place where the world is in deep pain. And man, there's a lot of pain in marriages in our world and in families. And we have a ministry of reconciliation and that is why we try so hard here to love people who are in pain. That's why a schlub like me can stand before you and talk about this because, not because I'm anywhere nearer to God than you are, not because like my marriage is just that much better than yours. No, sir. It's because Jesus Christ went to a cross for sinners to reconcile us to him, to redeem us, and so we stand together to say, give us that hope, God, because we have not found a way to make it for ourselves. Well, what should I do? I'm in my second marriage, my third marriage. I've got three kids now. I've got five kids now, three and two. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to just like go back to my original wife and start over with her? Is that the way this works? No. Here's what you do. Scripture tells you what to do. You do the next right thing. I'll prove it to you. First Corinthians, Paul wrote to a church full of crazy marriages and divorces because it was a Greek church. Uh, the Jewish church is one thing. The Greek church is a whole other thing. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned them. You start right here and you start today and you say, okay, I've, yeah, I have messed up. Not just in marriage, but whatever. I will start here and now. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches, Paul said. Each person should remain in the situation they were when God called them. The cross calls you to start today. I don't know if you're sitting next to your first spouse, your third spouse, or no spouse. I don't know. I don't know if you walked in here and, you know, your, your marriage is this close in your mind to extinction. I don't know. Or if you're very vibrantly in love with the person next to you and, you see no end to that. I don't know. I don't know. 
But I, hear, I know this, no matter who you are, he says, do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. So I'm going to throw out real quick some areas where you might be, you know, asking questions. Those of you who are in a situation of being single, Paul said, just stay single till you can't. Like if, if, you, if you're compelled to, to marry, fine. But he says, there is great, it's a gift, he says. It's a gift to be able to use your life without the hindrance of loving another person as much as marriage requires, because it does, and it should, and it will. It's not bad, but he just said, look, you're making a decision to serve the Lord with your life, the freedom to do that. In the realm of sex, sex is a gift to be given by men and women in the exclusive confines of a marriage relationship, only there. That is why Jesus said some of you will remain eunuchs, because the gift isn't for you. (laughs) It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So assess your options and determine what you need to do with this, but the command for you is you're not going to utilize sex outside the marriage parameter because that's against God's will. It's called sin. Okay? If there's adultery in play in your marriage, Jesus says that unfaithfulness is the only possible exception to do, for divorce. He doesn't say you have to do it, but it's the only possible exception. So you have to assess that and say, God, what have you, what's, what's before me? What what has she done? What has he done? And can I I go forward? If I can go forward, I'm going forward. With that relationship, I'm going to fix it, mend it, and love them through it because that's what Jesus does for us. If we can. If the opportunity is before us. You may not have that opportunity. Adultery screws everything up. That's why Jesus gave it, that command. What if you're unhappy and struggling in your marriage? Well, we are taught in the Scripture that if we're struggling in a lifeless, loveless marriage, we need to start meeting their needs through submission, love, and respect. That's what Ephesians teaches us. Start moving together in mutual submission, love, and respect. That's what we're called to do, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we're called to do. If you have faith in Christ, but your spouse does not, and you're struggling with that, he says, you know, if if your spouse is a non-believer, we are told, don't leave, because there's evangelism to be had in that home. If you follow Jesus faithfully, it'll show them something about God, and who knows? Maybe they'll come around. We have stories all around us in this building where that's happened. If you're in your second marriage, third marriage, I don't have to tell you the ramifications and consequences of that. You could write a book on that. But obedience starts today. Because you cannot unscramble an egg as much as you want to. You got to let God make an omelet out of it. Okay? We sing a song. We're gonna, I think we already sang it. He makes beautiful things out of dust. He makes all things new. That is the gospel. He has promised all of us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive us of our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. His cross does not hold my sin against me. Her bestie might, he might, my ex, 
My kids might. My parents might hold it against us. Jesus' cross redeems me. It restores me. It recreates me. And it lets me have a new start. And only God can do that. And Lord, that's why we're going to pause right now and commune. And we're going to take this Lord's Supper into our bodies, those of us who believe in you, because you give a life-giving flow to us into our biosphere that is connected to you. The bread, the cup, your body, your blood, we do this in remembrance of a redemptive God you who went to a cross and yanked the throne from us by elevating yourself before all humankind in love and redemption. We celebrate you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I can't speak for Jesus, but I can speak the words of Jesus, you know? I'm just going to ask you a question. Where's your heart? Are you tense? This message make you tense? Um, do his words make you bitter right now? Are you bitter? Are you holding on some pride? Like, pride can come in all kinds of different ways. Like, the pride of I have to be right and I will not yield to them. I will not yield. That's, that's hard-heartedness, friend. That's what that's called. Um, do you have the heart of a victim? The heart of a victim never can hear God. Never. It's the pride of victimization. Jesus can soften your heart. For some of you, maybe that's how you feel now. Like, he has softened me. I, I have a new perspective. I understand redemption from his perspective to me. Now I'm going to live in more of that for others and maybe another. Brendan Lang, who writes our rhythm um, devotions, he, he, he wrote this last week in the Church Center app. That's where you can find the rhythms. Our hearts are hard. We need them to be softened by Jesus. So then in our marriages and in all of our relationships, we can live out the ethic of the kingdom. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. That's our Jesus. And that's where he leads us, friend. We can go with him. Let's go, let's go with him. I hops open, I think. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.